Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, where we talk about all of the things that we're working to overcome, like obesity, anxiety, and health issues. My name is Sarah. Today, I wanted to talk about my favorite book that's all about anxiety. It's called First We Make the Beast Beautiful, and it's by Sarah Wilson, and the subtitle is A Journey Through Anxiety. So Sarah is actually more famous for her work um, on TV as well as being the person that founded I Quit Sugar. So she was one of the people who um, was involved in the Leaving Sugar Uh, movement. And she actually lives in Australia, but she is uh, quite worldly. And she's written this book as a little bit of a memoir of her struggle with anxiety and mental health, but also includes a ton of research and then some interviews interspersed throughout with people that you may recognize like Gretchen Rubin, who wrote The Happiness Project, as well as a whole slew of others. So it's quite an interesting read. It's so authentic in terms of Sarah's journey and how long she's struggled with anxiety And, you know, at times, I will say I found it to be very identifiable, and then at other times, uh, not as much. So Sarah is, um, has a number of mental health issues, and she gets into those throughout the book. And so I think that's where some of it goes very well with things that I've experienced, and then other things are a bit of a departure, but all quite interesting and there there's so much in there that um, you can dig into so the title you know first we make the beast beautiful it really goes well with this podcast because learning to slay the beasts uh, all the things so she does have a quote in here about conquering the beast you must first make it beautiful and that's embracing anxiety as almost like a superpower as compared to constantly either coping or managing. And that was the big thing that I took from this book is it's a bit of a a shift. So I listen a lot, I've mentioned before, to the Anxiety Coaches podcast. And on that podcast, there's a big focus on overcoming anxiety, that it's not something that we have to cope with. Uh, and Rachel Hollis talks a lot about that as well as that she's done all these things to leave anxiety behind. But certainly I know in my experience, when I sought therapy for generalized anxiety, the focus was really on here's a bunch of techniques to help you cope and manage. And so it was quite interesting to put these perspectives of embracing or overcoming or coping together, I guess, in my head. And I'm still, I'm still, I guess, trying to figure out what the goal is there. So, um, you know, this whole superpower thing is something that I actually brought up to my therapist. The, the thing with being an anxious person is that you're hypervigilant. You are um, constantly looking at risks and assessing things. And I said that to her that, you know, I feel like this is a bit of my superpower. And so the idea of managing it or dulling it down or overcoming it makes me a little bit scared at times. Because a lot of my anxious thoughts, my ability to assess risk, my focus on being analytical is a lot of what helps me to do my job well. And it helps me to reach goals because I'm 
vigilant about that. And it also helps me to get a lot done because I'm a nonstop kind of person. So I did find this book very helpful in looking at that and this idea of embracing it and trying to work with it um, in order to find not only solutions, but ways to make all of this work. So I will say, like I said, the book is quite explicit at times in terms of Sarah's struggle. Um, She covers not only her struggle with anxiety, but talks about uh, the fact that she struggled with bulimia, OCD, and manic depression or bipolar, I guess, as it's called now. And she also talks about a number of the treatments that she has went through. So having seen a dozen psychiatrists, she mentions, and psychotherapists and spiritual healers twice a week for years. She's had different medications over her life, um, as well as done cognitive behavioral behavioral therapy, neuro-linguistic programming, hypnotherapy, Freudian analysis, spiritual coaching, and something called sand play, which I don't really know what that is. Um, So I found that to be quite interesting and also a little bit something that I would say I've experienced, especially with my son's disorder, PANDAS. We have definitely seen a whole slew of different medical doctors and then mental health professionals, neuro Um, immune professionals, pediatricians, all over time as well. And so I could totally identify with the fact that this is something she's been working on a long time. And we definitely have experience in managing that, not only for myself, I've seen a number of professionals, naturopath included there, acupuncturist, all those things, uh, massage therapy, osteopath to deal with my own autoimmune conditions. But then, like I said, with my son's neuroimmune, there's um, additional professionals like an immunologist, uh, psychiatrist, pediatricians, things like that. So a whole slew of things there. And um, it's really, it's nonstop for for dealing with some of these issues. And now one of the other things that I found very identifiable about Sarah is that she not only struggles with anxiety, but she also um, does struggle with an autoimmune disorder that she has called Hashimoto's. So that's again something, and she does mention that Um, often anxiety disorders go hand in hand with autoimmune disorders. And I found that to be really interesting and a little bit vindicating, to be honest, because it sort of seemed like at times, oh, why do I have all these things going on? And then to know that that's actually quite common to have both happening at the same time is very helpful. So Later on in the book, Sarah starts to go into some tips about ways that she is dealing with um, anxiety and how she's kind of embracing it from a loving place. And that's very helpful as well in going through the book. Um, She mentions taking control Um, when things are not good. And so that is a tip that she's giving for caregivers or someone who might be in relationship or living with you is that sometimes when you have an anxious mind, you just want uh, somebody to help you make decisions or take control of things a little bit. And I thought that was really interesting 
as well. And I can identify with that because sometimes I myself get kind of like stuck, you know, I get stuck in logistics and I get stuck on figuring things out and that having somebody that can kind of just take you out of that fairly quickly by saying, you know what, I think we're just going to do this and we're just going to move forward is exactly what you need at times. And Sarah even talks about weekend panic. She said that she gets a bit of a weekend panic uh, when she's not sure what she's doing. And I thought, I've never thought of it like that, but I think I do get that a little bit too, that I always feel like there needs to be something there and then I can't sometimes decide what it is and how to move forward. Um, so that was was really ringing true to me. Um, she does talk a little bit about anxious people um, often wanting to be in control and that that can be difficult for partners and how, you know, if the partner can understand that it's not necessarily controlling them, but it's kind of controlling things around the anxious person. I think that's quite a good tip as well. And then she said, for family members of someone that is anxious, asking that they just be there, not solve the problem, but just kind of be there and listen intently to what's going on and recognize, okay, you know, this person is having an anxious time right now because it will pass. It does pass. And so just being there with that person and allowing it to come through uh, is very helpful. One thing that I found interesting in the book too, and you know that I've done podcasts on meditation that I do meditate is that Sarah from her perspective doesn't see that meditation works when you are in a panic and I can totally see this um, because no if somebody says to you when you're quite worked up hey why don't you just take 10 minutes and meditate it feels like it can be very difficult to move from a place where you're worked up to meditation and one of the things that Emily Fletcher talks about in her book Stress Less Accomplish More is trying to bridge that a little bit with some mindfulness so she sees mindfulness as kind of a bridge from being very anxious to then getting to a point where you might actually be able to meditate. The other thing that they say about meditation is that it's something that you have to make deposits in the bank consistently. And that's where meditating two times a day, one time a day, even when you can, um, will keep it consistent so that you're hopefully not getting to those points where you can't can't even access meditation. Uh, when when she is in an anxious spiral, as she calls it, Sarah talks about touch and the body bringing back attention from that anxious spiral. So she talks about going and getting massage, um, but also uh, one of the things that I've used, and so I would totally agree with her on that, is a five senses exercise, which can really help to bring you back into your body. You think about the five senses and in your head, you just recognize, you know, three things that you can feel, three things that you can see, three things that you can smell, three things that you can taste. Uh, and that helps to kind of put you into a bit of a presence. And so she says that that does help her as well. Sarah does recognize, you know, similar to, similarly to me, she's not a doctor and, and I'm not as well. And so her book is very much tips on how she's managing things and then some research that she's read. Certainly we know this podcast is tips on how I've managed different things, but it's not at all intended to be any type of um 
doctor prescription, not at all pretending to be that. Um, Just going through some of the things that she has noticed and then how that resonates with myself. Um, Also, she does have OCD. And so that did the book where she talks about OCD does help me a little bit. I have some family members that struggle with OCD. And so having her talk about her counting and different things that she's noticed in her life that are as a result of obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, I found it was very, very good to get that perspective and understand the challenges there and how how she tries to move forward with her OCD. On page 165, she talks a little bit about um, Glennon Doyle and puts a quote of her in into the book as well. And Glennon Doyle is a New York bestselling author and she recently had a book Untamed out, which I haven't read yet, but I've heard is really good. But she says that um, one of her quotes is, yes, I've got these conditions, anxiety, depression, addiction, and they almost killed me, but they are also my superpowers. I'm the canary in the mind and you need my sensitivity because I can smell toxins in the air that you can't smell, see trouble that you don't see and sense danger that you don't feel. My sensitivity could save us all. And so instead of letting me fall silent and die, why don't we work together to clear some of this poison from the air. And I thought this was really good. Again, it goes back to that superpower notion in terms of anxiety. And then Glennon says, help us manage our fire, yes, but don't try to extinguish us. So it's saying, you know, some of that analyzing of risk and some of that being ultra sensitive and being anxious can actually help others um, at times. And we need help to manage it, but there's kind of that give and take of that it helps other people. I think one of the biggest things with this book is when you read through all of the quotes that Sarah's put together, when you read through her experience and others, it's very helpful because it makes you see that it's not just you. It empowers to know others. And that is another piece of Sarah's advice is that she says, get to know people that you respect and people that you look up to that also struggle with a similar mental issue to you. And I thought that was really interesting and definitely true. So I would say I would completely look up to Sarah for this in this case, but also, I mean, I know there are a number of different issues where you can look at somebody that is maybe very successful, but has the same type of issue as you and feel empowered knowing, well, they were able to be successful. You know, I point out to my kids all the time that Justin Bieber has Lyme disease or Billie Eilish has Tourette syndrome and that people that even they see as popular are struggling with different health issues. You know, there are a number of celebrities that have come out saying they've got food allergies and and then many people look up to them and it does help to make it feel more normal. Um, Also, if there are books or podcasts or shows that address a certain issue, I recently read a middle grade novel called O.C. Daniel, 
and wanting to understand uh, how it was written because I'm writing a middle grade novel myself. But I found it to be very interesting because it focused on a mental health issue. And I think it's so powerful because it helps a number of kids that would be in middle grade to read something like that and see, wow, that's the thing that I'm struggling with. And it is a thing. And there are things that you can do to help it. And I'm not alone. So I think that's really important. I also um, identified with some of the comments that Sarah makes in the book uh, around page 232 about it being impossible for women um, at times and to kind of have that work-life balance. And so she does include some things in there about how, you know, sometimes the happiest women are the ones that are not striving for balance, but they're almost tilting. They're moving into a perfect imbalance. And that was kind of interesting, but she says a messy all over the shop imbalance and that they tilted in directions that felt meaningful to them. So not saying I'm going to give 15 minutes to yoga and 15 minutes to cooking and 15 minutes to helping my kids. Instead, it's I'm going to tilt in the priority that I feel aligns with what I want to do and my values and where it feels right to put energy. And it's not always going to be even. Um, and so I thought that was really a good good take on it as well. And then she does mention um, The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin again and talks a little bit about uh, doing the opposite sometimes when you're gripping things too hard and then also mentions the Seinfeld episode where George Costanza does, you know, his opposite theory in there and that Gretchen actually says that too, that sometimes when you're just so far in one direction, you just need to do the opposite for a bit. So, you know, maybe the odd time if you're like a hyper vigilant person that is starting to get anxious because you work out constantly and, you know, your food um, you're you're almost to the point of like an eating issue with the way that you're eating. Um, maybe sometimes you do need to relax. And so I thought that was an interesting perspective as well. Um, and, and something that, you know, you can interject from here and there and just kind of, you know, maybe take a weekend off or something like that. So like I said, there are tons of tips in the book. Um, another one she mentions is actively practicing missing out, that sometimes it is good to miss things and know you're missing things and just say, that's okay, because this is not something I'm doing right now. So the book, like I said, is a combination of her story and research tips. There are tons more tips in there. Um, one of the last things I found interesting just about Sarah, and it kind of peppers throughout the book, is that she is an avid hiker and she loves to just take off on these really long hikes. Like I'm talking days, months. And so as much as there were parts of the book that I found to be identifiable, this not so much like, um, you know, I have a family and a job. And so for me, I could never take off on a several month hike and just decide I'm going to see how it is. Plus, I'm a little bit afraid of wildlife um, and all of that kind of stuff to some degree. I like to, I like nature, but I like safe nature. 
So anyway, Sarah doesn't seem too afraid. So it was kind of something that was really out there and inspiring, uh, but that she does find she gets a ton of relief from both walking and nature. So those are kind of the takeaways from why she does constantly just hit the woods is um, she talks, you know, it's very therapeutic for her. And um, it, it does seem appealing to just the idea of, I think, taking off and getting out of uh, kind of that urban or suburban lifestyle and just being there where you can just walk. And, you know, she often just takes a little backpack and maybe like a tomato. And then, you know, she'll buy things here and there or she'll find somewhere to stay. And so it was it's quite interesting, even if you just like to read different stories in terms of um, somebody's life. So I hope that you've enjoyed um, my review, I guess, or kind of why I have found this book to be so helpful and interesting. So again, it's Sarah Wilson, First We Make the Beast Beautiful, really the first book that I've read uh, on anxiety that it, it's not a medical book, you know, it's a book about life. It's, I love stories, I love storytelling. And so for me, it was just a great read all around in terms of um, understanding how somebody deals with anxiety in a practical way. And not only deals, but how she's coming at, at to embrace embrace anxiety. So thank you for listening to the podcast today. If you enjoy listening to it, please consider subscribing or consider sharing it with um, somebody else that you think might enjoy it as well. For more, you can visit my blog, www.theallergybeast.wordpress.com and also follow me on Instagram at at Sarah Lady Gluten, spelled at S-A-R-A-L-A-D-Y-G-L-U-T-E-N. Thank you for listening and I will have more next week.